0: This episode is brought to you by Ursa Minor Outfitters. Folks, I'm absolutely in love with my Loon mug. It's handmade, it's an absolute piece of art. Whether it's at the office or at the house, people keep asking to check it out. If you're not a Loon fan, they also have other beautiful mugs for wildlife fans of moose, bears, and eagles. They specialize in products highlighting the outdoors and local pride through quality design by local artists. They've even started expanding into items beyond mugs, like apparel, dog accessories, and soon candles and more. They also try to Partner and highlight other small businesses, and in some cases, forgo profits in lieu of charitable giving to help their community, such as the dog rescue. So check them out, UrsaMinorOutfitters.com, and enter promo code HikesMike's10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for our four-legged hiking partners, they also have a portable silicone dog bowl and also a sweet over-the-collar dog bandana. Go check them out, UrsaMinorOutfitters.com, and don't forget to enter promo code HikesMike's10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Hikes and Mikes podcast. I'm your host, Ivan, and each week I'll be chatting with some amazing hikers from across the United States and abroad. Spring has finally arrived in the Pacific Northwest, and soon I'll be hitting the trails to record short-form episodes with hikers I meet along the way. Look out for those episodes to drop sometime in June for Season 3. In the meantime, we'll be asking some of your favorite hikers about their experiences and adventures. We always finish the episode off with a round of this or that questions all related to hiking. We have an amazing guest on today's episode. Her name is megan and you can follow her on instagram at smoky mountain soul i had such an awesome time chatting with megan on this episode we speak to her about what it's like hiking in her corner of north carolina she shares her hiking experiences living nearby the great smoky mountains national park some of the beautiful features and history the area has to offer and some of the great alternative sites to the national park without further ado let's jump into this episode with our guest megan Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Hikes and Mikes podcast. I'm excited to be speaking with our guest today, Megan from North Carolina. She's our first guest from that region, and I'm really excited to learn what it's like hiking in the South and and on the East Coast. Thanks, Megan, for coming on the podcast with me. Yeah. Hi. For um, listeners that don't follow you yet, Megan, can you share a little bit about yourself and how you got started hiking?
1: Absolutely. Yep. I'm Megan, and I am a local North Carolina. Through and through. I have lived here my entire life, basically everywhere from the middle of the state to the coast and now in the mountains of North Carolina. So I'm definitely a huge advocate of my state and I love it here. I would say that I started really hiking about three and a half years ago when my family moved close to Asheville, North Carolina, which is in the western part in the mountainous area. We moved to this area. Uh, middle of 2019. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And it's really odd because being from North Carolina, like growing up, I had sometimes gone to the mountains for vacations as uh, with my family, but mostly we went to the beach because it was closer and we had relatives at the beach. So I was a die-hard beach girl for my entire life until it hit me for some reason in 2019 when my family and I moved here to the mountains. I was like, nope, this is it. This is where my soul belongs. Uh, I am here and this is my home. And I have never looked back since. So I've been hiking for about three and a half years now and I cannot get enough of it. I absolutely love it.
0: Oh, that's a great transition, from beach to, to mountains. And how far away is the coast for you now?
1: So it actually takes, gosh, I want to say maybe six or seven hours to travel across the state of North Carolina. But if I do go to the beach, I break it up because I still have family and friends in Raleigh, which is in the middle of the state. And so it's about a three and a half, four hour drive to Raleigh from where I live. And then it's another two hours to the beach. So it's not terrible. And, you know, it can be done in one day to drive to the beach. But but I just, I lived there for 10 years and I think I've just had enough. I was done. So moving on to the mountains now.
0: Yeah. And, you know, some of your pictures have been so amazing just to see the mountains and, and just the, the landscape that, that you get to, to hike around. And for somebody like me that hasn't hiked in the East Coast or, or even down South, what's it like hiking in your neck of the woods?
1: So... I would say I am always attracted to the diversity of wildlife in the area, the scenery. Uh, We have a ton of biodiversity in flora and fauna. And you really do have all four seasons here, which I absolutely love. So obviously, it'll be springtime when this airs. And in the springtime, we have just an abundant amount of different wildflowers all throughout this area. And you just have have greenery as far as the eye can see. And that is one of the reasons why I grew tired of living on the coast is it's basically, unless you're on the ocean, it is just sand and pine trees. So you don't really get fall there uh, because there are no really leaves to turn colors and fall off. It's just, there are evergreens everywhere. And so here you get the wildflowers in the spring. In the summertime, there are beautiful swimming holes that you can go refreshing. It's always cool water to cool you off. The elevations are, some can get over 6,500 feet above sea level. And so the temperature never really goes above 80 degrees up there. So it's pleasant in the summer. You're not overwhelmed with humidity here. And of course, in the fall, you have the leaves changing and the foliage, and that's always a favorite among people. In winter, we get just enough snow and not too much, which I'm a fan of. We get it uh, one or two times and then it melts within a couple days. (laughs) So that is my perfect scenario. It's just so peaceful for me to get out there hiking in nature. And it really is. It's just such a diverse ecosystem. I think that's what it would be why I like getting out there.
0: One thing that always comes to mind for me, especially when it comes to the East Coast and down South especially, is the summertime humidity. Do you find it that the the mountains tend to be the, the relief spot for a lot of people that are trying to escape the humidity?
1: They definitely are because we are at a higher elevation and we get it somewhat here, but I can tell you firsthand that the middle of the state and the coast, it can get unbearable. You walk outside and you just start immediately perspiring. And I will say I have actually been to Egypt in August. So you think like, oh, the hottest place on earth in the hottest month of the year. And I can tell you, it's no different than North Carolina in August. <laughs> so that's shocking for people to hear, but it's absolutely true. And yes, you can go to the mountains in August and July, <laughs> actually, and get a respite from that.
0: <laughs> I've only been to, to really Atlanta and, you know, it, it was typically in the middle of the summer. And like you said, I would just step out and within like a minute or two, I'm just swimming because of the humidity,
1: it is. You, it's like walking into a brick wall. It's-
0: <laughs> yeah, you literally feel it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. One place, and everyone knows the Great Smoky Mountains, but they're right next door to you. Um, yes. For someone that lives so close by to them and have a a chance to visit them frequently. Can you share for for our listeners that haven't visited that national park what makes it so special?
1: Yeah, of course. I I will say I am very lucky to live so close to it. It is actually the number one visited national park in the country and it has been for years running uh, by a landslide and it continues to increase in population every year. I think one of the main reasons is because it is so large. It's over 522,000 acres. And just like the unique biodiversity that I was talking about in Western North Carolina, this national park has it and it's pristinely kept. You will very rarely find trash in the park, which is amazing. Most people that visit it understand our mentality here of leave no trace. So whatever you go in with, you take out. You don't leave a mark behind. And everyone is very respectful of our nature around here. But people do visit it because it's over 850 miles of hiking trails. So even though it is highly populated throughout the year, it doesn't feel that way because there are so many choices and places to go in there. We have over 1600 black bears that live in the park. So if you're lucky, you can catch a glimpse of one of them. And they're mostly docile. They keep to themselves if you keep to yourself. And but there are also elk that roam in the in the national park that you can spot. And of course, like salamanders. I've never saw seen a bobcat, but they're out there. Chipmunks, squirrels, deer, all the typical forest creatures. <laughs> so it is an absolutely stunning national park where you can go hiking, you can fish in there, bike riding. There are trails if you just want to drive through, if you're not a hiker, uh, but there are also very long, difficult trails if you want to. To do a summit trail. We have Klingman's Dome, which is one of the highest peaks on the East Coast. And there are also about 90 historic structures in that park, which, other than hiking, I am a huge fan of traveling and history. And so I actually try to seek out the hikes where you can come across historic structures like old churches, old houses, or schoolhouses, and just kind of step back in time and catch a glimpse of maybe what life was like for the earliest settlers around here. So that's always a good time. Jump in a little history lesson along with your exercise for the day. But yeah, it's just just a beautiful, serene place where you can go and kind of catch your breath for a a minute and get away from the hustle and bustle of every day.
0: And Megan, for folks wanting to visit, but avoid the crowds. Is there a special time in the year that you would suggest people to to plan a visit?
1: You know, winter is always our down season in this area. Obviously, it can get slightly chilly, nothing like the Northeast. And you don't have the foliage to look upon. You know, you're looking at bare trees if you want to do a summit hike. But what I prefer hiking in the winter is you have zero humidity. It's actually not that bad. I would say our highs are in the mid 50s on most days and you get just unparalleled views of the waterfalls since there is no foliage blocking your view and you have fewer people on the trails. So you get more of that serene. If you're going into nature for the peacefulness, you you have more of a chance of having the trails to yourself in the wintertime. However, you know, spring, summer and fall are highly popular too. Just the fall foliage, the wildflowers and the swimming spots that I mentioned earlier. So they're really really is no bad time to visit.
0: And being so big, I mean, even during the, the peak season, I imagine there's still places that you can find that don't have the crowds.
1: Yes, because this national park goes, it's part of North Carolina and part of Tennessee. And I'm not sure why, but the Tennessee side seems to get more traffic than the North Carolina side. Um, I really couldn't tell you why. I'm obviously partial to north of the North Carolina side, but um, <laughs> if you're one. want to try to get away from the crowds, definitely consider the North Carolina side instead. And one thing actually people might want to know is it has always been free admission to this national park, which has drawn a lot of people to it. Yeah, which is um, unique to this park. However, starting March 1st, they are implementing a parking tag that you're going to need in in order to enter the park. And this is just because we're getting such an influx of people that they want to be able to use those funds to maintain and upkeep the
0: park. Do you know how much the the parking tag is going to be for folks?
1: Yeah, I know the yearly one is going to be $40 for uh, a year's access to the park. And then if I remember correctly, I think it's $15 for the week and maybe $5 for the day. But don't quote me on those last two prices. <laughs> If they want to go um, to the website, Great Smoky Mountain National Park, you can find out all that information and you can just order it online and it gets mailed to you. Yeah,
0: I'll post that on, on the episode notes so people can check out. And that's still way cheaper than the entrance of, of any of the other national parks, because I think most of them are 30 or $35 just for the day if you don't have a America the Beautiful Pass.
1: Oh, yeah. So that is something new that they're doing, which I'm actually in favor for because it's not for like greed, you know, it's not just to collect profit it's actually to give back to the park for the maintenance of it so i am all for it
0: totally understandable especially for forty dollars for an annual pass that's that's nothing
1: oh yeah it's amazing
0: now you've you kind of touched base on it already megan but one thing that surprised me was just the the vibrant fall colors that you guys have there in, in your neck of the woods when people think of fall colors they think of the northeast you know, Massachusetts, Vermont, but you guys have a wide range of colors, not just, you know, your, your reds, your yellows, your oranges. When is, is your peak season for, for folks wanting to check out the fall colors in North Carolina?
1: So this past year was a little bit different because it peaked earlier than normal. I would say on average, colors start changing mid-October in the higher elevations. And then, of course, as the weeks go on, the, the colors will peak lower and lower in elevations. And again, I believe if you go to the Great Smoky Mountain National Park website, they will have a fall foliage report. And of course, you can just Google fall foliage report because that is a big deal around here and it's our highest season of visitors. But you can expect usually mid October for the higher elevations. And then I would say most of it fizzles out first or second week in November. This past year was just odd. I think maybe lack of rain or either, you know, I'm no scientist, but uh, milder or cooler temps than normal. It was a very fast onset of color and it was very bright and vivid. And then like that, I felt like it was over. It was like one final showstopper. Amazing fall, but it was very short-lived. What I do love about this area is you don't have the drastic cold like you do in the northern states. So you get to see the fall color without being miserably cold. So I'm a fan of that. And I think this place also probably gets more popular in the fall because you do get the fall colors and we're also easier access for the more southern states, Georgia, Alabama, Alabama, Florida. So they can come up here much easier, of course, than going to Vermont or Massachusetts.
0: One thing that, you know, pairs well with with the fall colors and it comes up frequently in your feed is some of the amazing waterfalls in in your neck of the woods. I didn't realize how many there were um, there in North Carolina and and in the Tennessee area. It's hard to, to say Choose your favorite waterfall, but what are some of your more memorable waterfalls that you like to visit in, in your area, and kind of what makes them um, a little bit special and unique?
1: I have three waterfalls that I find myself keep that I keep going back to. Uh, the first one is Crabtree Falls, and that is off the Blue Ridge Parkway, and it's just a stunningly beautiful hike. You have the greenery, but you also have Like moss covered rocks and trees, and a little creek. It's just so beautiful. And then you come down to this just massively impressive waterfall. It's I don't know what the elevation is, uh, how high the fall is, but it's a very wide, powerful waterfall. And it l- just looks, it's cascading down rocks and it's just so stunning to witness. So that's one of my favorites. And it's actually a doable trail for most people. It's only about a mile and a half. Good access uh, for children if, if you want to take them as well. Another waterfall that I constantly find myself going to is Big Bradley Falls. And that one is not super impressive in the fact that it's not like wide. It's a very skinny stream. But what I love about this one is it's a very tall waterfall and It reminds me of maybe the waterfalls you would find in Central or South America because the rocks behind it have like the algae growing on it. So it's a very colorful waterfall. It kind of looks like gemstones behind it. So I love that one. And it's just really impressive just to stand at the base of that one and just marvel at it because it's so beautiful. Finally, I have one more that is a popular waterfall for a lot of people because it's literally right off a road. And it's more towards this Tennessee border. And it's called Dry Falls. And again, it's a very powerful waterfall. But there is enough, I guess, hang time that they've built a path where you can literally walk behind it. And so that's always a really fun experience. And you don't get soaking wet. You can get some spray onto yourself. But it's just a really fun experience to walk behind a waterfall, no matter how old you are. I'm, I'm like <laughs> a kid again when I go back there.
0: <laughs> oh wow! And that's just right off the the road. It's a it's a short hike to it.
1: It's right off the road. Yeah, it's I wouldn't even consider it a hike. It's um uh, it's like a it's like a wooden trail that the parks system has built. And so in the summertime or in the peak seasons, you pay a small admission. It's like a dollar to three dollars to park there, and then you just walk down this wooden boardwalk right behind the waterfall. It's very cool.
0: Wow. And I, I think you posted it on your Instagram, right, Megan, that waterfall?
1: Yep, it's called Dry Falls.
0: Wow. Yeah, for listeners, um, be sure to check out Megan's feed to check it out.
1: Yeah, it's a fun one. I did a cute little video of my daughter running behind it. So you could really get to experience what it would be like if you were there walking behind it yourself. So that that was a fun reel to make.
0: Wow, yeah, you guys have some amazing waterfalls. Waterfalls And one thing that really caught my eye, there's one specifically that you posted and I'm blanking on the name, but it's just kind of shrouded with trees and it's a just a, a wide um, waterfall, not like heavy flow, but just a, a nice cascade off, off the falls.
1: Yeah, I think the one you're talking about, I think it's like Calaloosa Falls. <laughs> I'm not sure of the pronunciation. And it's funny that you mentioned that one because that one is right before the dry falls that you can walk behind So there is a scenic road that you can take, and it's um, in the mountain towns of Highlands and Cashiers. And you take this scenic road, and these waterfalls are literally right off the side of the road. And so the one you were referencing, you park your car, there's a little turnoff, so in the high seasons, you're probably going to have to turn around and wait. Just keep kind of driving and waiting for a parking spot to open because maybe it fits eight cars and it's right off the road. But you park your car, you walk up on this little mound and you can witness this intense, beautiful waterfall. That's just another example of why I absolutely am in love with this area. You're just driving on the road and hey, there's a waterfall.
0: No, truly a unique place.
1: It is, yeah.
0: And you've touched on this, Megan. For me, I, I'm a big history buff, especially if I can inc- incorporate it into hiking. Some of the things that caught my eye from your feed is that you've got to visit um, some historic structures in your area that, you know, when I picture the East Coast and especially up further, further south are those beautiful wooden covered bridges. And you've been able to to visit the two that are still practically the wood that was used when they first got built. And then you also got a chance to visit a a modern one. Can you share a little bit about those two historic bridges and then a little bit about that more modern one?
1: So the Pisgah covered bridge is not where you would think. It's not in the Pisgah National Forest for some reason. (laughs) I don't know why it's named that, but it is in the Uwari National Forest. And that's more in the middle of the state, close to Asheboro, where we have our Um, North Carolina Zoo. And it's kind of funny because, you know, me loving history and my poor children, I drag them everywhere with me. I'm like, oh, let's just go check this out real fast. And it turns out it was like a two and a half hour delay going to Raleigh one time. just to find this covered bridge. Um, They're troopers though. They're like, okay, mom, let's not do that again. But um, (laughs) when you get there, it's really neat just to step back in time again and kind of picture what life would have been like back then because it was built in the 1800s. And so they are, it's the exact same wood. I believe Pisca covered bridge had been washed away in a flood, but everyone was able to recover the original wood and rebuild it. And then the one right off highway 40 is called Bunker Hill Wooden Bridge. And that one's great to visit because again, it's five minutes off Highway 40. So it's super convenient to get to. And I didn't realize this at the time. It was built in around 1895. And again, I'm no engineer, but it had some sort of revolutionary way of building it with trellises and wooden pegs instead of nails. So if you do end up visiting that bridge, there is the history behind it and why it it was so revolutionary. So it's very cool. You can still walk through it. Obviously, you can't drive a car through it, but it is open to the public. Both of them are to walk through it. And sadly, Bunker Hill Wooden Bridge is now covered in graffiti, which, you know, obviously makes me incredibly sad. But the bones are still there. And so you can still really dive back into history and and get a good feel for it. And there's actually a historic picture of back when it was a working bridge of two people walking toward it. So it's always neat for that to come to life, to see that. But before I did my research on all these historic bridges, I never realized there were only two uh, historic covered bridges in North Carolina because the one you were talking about, the one over a waterfall, I was like, oh, this is so cool. It's a covered bridge. And turns out it was built in like 2001. And (laughs) it was, I know, it was going to go to a a neighborhood, a developed neighborhood, but the neighborhood went belly up. Um, So those are just the remains of what the developer had built. However, if you can't get to the historic bridges, it is a really cool way to like get the feel of what they were like. And the scenery is to die for. It is on one of the most popular trails in Western North Carolina. It's on It's in DuPont Forest. And the trail is so popular because as we were talking about waterfalls, it has three of the most beautiful, impressive waterfalls in this area. And it's all on the same trail. It's very user friendly. So it's welcome for leashed dogs and children to go on the trail. And you can see the waterfalls. There's a swimming hole there. You can, you know, picnic and then go check out that covered bridge on top and see the upper falls before it falls over. So it's really a great place to just hang out.
0: For the more modern bridge, are you able to drive your car or is it still just a pedestrian bridge?
1: Mm-hmm that is still just a pedestrian bridge there's ample parking spaces at that particular trail but still with any trail around here since this whole area has become so popular i would recommend to find a parking spot to get to any trail by 9 a.m
0: oh good to know
1: otherwise you will be circling around waiting for a spot but yeah that one as well is just a pedestrian or um, bicyclist so still great great trail to do and I, i actually would recommend that trail out of any if you are short on time or if this is your first time into this area.
0: And the waterfall that kind of you overlook from the bridge, it's a big one, isn't it? It's about 120 feet.
1: It is. It's huge. And I, off the top of my head, I don't remember the name of it. I just know the name of that trail is Triple Falls in DuPont Forest because they are all really large and impressive. And anytime I have family or friends in the area, I'm like, that's the one we're going to. That is my fallback because it's such a good representation of this area. And it's so user-friendly that any skill level can do it.
0: One thing that you like to highlight, and I'm a fan of highlighting these places just because, you know, sometimes you get, you can have the crowds at them, but a lot of the time they're not as popular as the national parks. But the state parks, the nature preserves, the national forests, there's some really great places in and around your area and, and North Carolina that people can visit, you know some of the standouts for me when I was looking through your feed, um, of course, it's Chimney Rock um, with that amazing view. Hanging Rock State Park is also another one. But for folks that want to explore the area outside of the national park, what are some of the the state parks and and national forests that you would recommend people check out?
1: There are probably too many to name, but I will list my favorite ones. Chimney Rock is a great one, and that is a great kind of day out if you have young children or even if you don't, it is really interactive and you can spend the whole day there. There are hiking trails and you can also do like there's a gift shop there. And if you're feeling up to it, you can climb to the summit at 500 steps. So you'll get your leg workout done for that day. (laughs) But the view is worth it in the end. You can actually see over 75 miles away. So that's really fun to do Chimney Rock. Um the tunnel there, they actually go through the process of when they blasted the tunnel to go I'm <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. There is an elevator that you can also take to the summit. So don't get intimidated by the 500 steps. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And so it's actually, again, it's user-friendly for anyone and everyone. If you don't want to do the steps, you can walk through this tunnel that's literally over 500 million years old, the rocks are, which I think is amazing. And you can kind of read the storyboards while you walk to the elevator. And then that takes you up to the summit. But if you are into hiking and, and climbing, there is a short little trail, about a mile and a half, that takes you to the waterfall that was filmed in the last of the Mohicans, if you remember that movie. So that is kind of, I guess you could say, a famous waterfall in this area. And then if you go there with children, they have animal encounters where the children can actually pet like a possum, a snake, a salamander, a turtle. So that's a whole lot of fun too. Yeah, it's just a really fun, interactive state park to go to. Another one is kind of further north near the Boone and Blowing Rock area of North Carolina, and that is Grandfather Mountain. And again, that's where the Mile High Swinging Bridge is. I don't know if you've heard of that or not, but it's somewhat well-known and just it is literally like exactly one mile above sea level. So it's not actually one mile above land, which is a bit confusing because you get there and you're like, that doesn't look like a mile to the ground. <laughs> but It is. It was an actual swinging bridge. And it, if you do go on my Instagram, you can see one reel has me when I was like 12. 12 years old, we took a family vacation. And there's a picture of me on the Mile High Swinging Bridge at Grandfather Mountain. But other than that, there's a restaurant there. There is kind of a mini zoo with local animals like the black bear, a bobcat and whatnot that our children can take a look at. So that one's fun. And then my personal favorite one, and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I've lived in this area, like I said, for about three and a half years. And I don't think I had gone to the Great Smoky Mountain National Park until maybe a month ago. I don't want to say that out loud, but at the same time, it's because there are so many amazing hike- hiking trails in the national forest around here or in the state forest. And my personal favorite is Pizca National Forest. And I don't know how many acres it is, but it is an expansive national forest where, again, you can see the waterfalls. You can go fishing. You can go tubing down the river, hiking. There are summits and waterfalls there and it's just it's such a beautiful accessible place again it's all free to enter there is a park ranger station where you can take children and they have interactive exhibits and sometimes they do like lumberjack contests there or just really getting children involved in forestry and nature and preserving these beautiful lands. And what I really love about Pisgah National Forest was, if you know anything about the Vanderbilt family, they, uh, George Vanderbilt, built a fortune out of, if inflation were today, he borrowed about $1,000 from his grandmother and turned it into Elon Musk fortune today. So literally, he turned $1,000 into billions of dollars in railroads. My point is, he came down to Western North Carolina on vacation and decided this is where he wanted his vacation home to be. And so he built the Biltmore Estate. So if you have not heard about the Biltmore Estate or looked into that, I would highly recommend looking into that because it's the biggest tourist attraction in Asheville, North Carolina and with good reason. And I have a lot of posts on that on my Instagram too. But the Pisgah National Forest was originally all part of George Vanderbilt's fortune. He owned the entire Hizka National Forest when it was privately owned by him. And then eventually, when he passed away, his wife donated it to become National Forest. And so now we all get to enjoy it. So anyway, a little side note on that.
0: You know, one thing that I've enjoyed hearing about, and you don't really see it here on on the West Coast, but just the, the accessibility that you guys provide to people of all ages, whether it's, you know, small kids. To adults, to seniors, everyone can still enjoy the viewpoints and and, and the sights, and and that's something that's really great because the Grand Canyon, Zion, they're all a- amazing places, but a lot of it does require some physicality to them, and that's great that that you guys do have places that you can visit with all types of um, family members, which is really great.
1: Yeah, I do love that. And we have the Blue Ridge Parkway, which is, of course, famous for its beauty. And there are hundreds of overlooks where you can just pull your car to the side of the road and see these breathtaking views. So you're right. it's That's what I love about it. It's very accessible for people of all walks of life.
0: And, you know, talking about the West Coast, a lot of my West Coast listeners will probably know Slide Rock State Park. In Sedona, Arizona, but there's a sliding rock in North Carolina, and you did something very unique at the start of the new year. Can you share a little bit about sliding rock and what you did um, to start the new year off with a bang?
1: Definitely. I, well, first of all, sliding rock is a fun natural water slide that we have here, and it is, it happens to be in Pisgah National Forest. In the summertime, you can pay, again, a small fee because they have changing rooms there. Am a lifeguard on duty in the summertime. They have a metal railing that you can use to walk up this rock. And then when it's your turn, you get on this rock and it, it is a fun natural water slide that you go down and it lands into a deep enough pool where you won't get hurt with rocks. And I think the temperature of the water stays around 55 degrees year round. That is what I've been told. However, I got it in my <laughs> head this year that I wanted to do the Polar Plunge. And I don't know why. I've never wanted to run a marathon. I've never really wanted to push my body past its limits. But I was like, you know what? This is something that I want to just see what it's all about. So I decide if I'm going to do the Polar Plunge, I'm going to do it in style. So I go to Sliding Rock on New Year's Day with my children. And luckily, it was actually a quite mild day temperature-wise. I think it was like 60 degrees. So I really lucked out in that aspect. (laughs) But... Um, So there were actually quite a few people at the rock watching me walk up this rock in my bathing suit on January 1st. And once I sat down in that rushing water, (laughs) it took my breath away. (laughs) But I had committed at that point. People were watching and I was already like halfway wet. So I slid down this rock on New Year's Day into the the pool at the bottom for my polar plunge and i was not warned that literally your body can go into shock and i think mine did because i legit lost my breath like i was like (laughs) and people were clapping and trying to talk to me and i'm like i'm just trying to survive here Uh, But it all worked out well. I like floated to a rock and hung on and and caught my breath and everything and everything was fine. But I can say that I've done it and I will not be doing that again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it was a whole lot of fun. The experience was definitely memorable and I will go back in the summertime and do it.
0: (laughs) Oh, that is awesome, Megan. And, And for listeners, if you go to her feed, she has the video. She didn't just get like, chest deep or neck deep in the water. She, once she hit the, the watering hole, she was fully submerged.
1: Oh yeah, you're you're in it, you're committed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that where you kind of lost your breath is once you, you got fully submerged?
1: It was, yeah. I definitely, you can tell I'm like screaming while I'm sliding down the rock because it's fun, <laughs> but also freezing. And then, yeah, once I got fully submerged, I think my body went into shock. Like, what are you doing to me? And so I, I really had to focus on my brain being like, breathe, take deep breaths, you know. Um, So luckily, there were people around too that could have helped me out if I needed to. But luckily, I was okay. And it was it was definitely fun. And I'm glad I did it.
0: Were you able to convince other folks, Megan, that were looking to, to join you in the polar bear plunge? Or were- no, they actually said I was crazy. They,
1: they were like, you are crazy, girl. And I was like, I have my moments. <laughs> <laughs> But it was super cute. My daughter, who is six years old, she was inspired to do the Polar Plunge after me. And I said, OK, listen, you're n- I'm not going to let you do it here. Like, it's just not safe. So we went to a little swimming hole down the way a little bit. And she got down there neck deep in the water. And I was so proud of her. She was like, yes, OK, now I'm ready for the new year.
0: <laughs> I love that. Oh, that's cute. <laughs>
1: I love it. I love being able to like experience this nature with my children and just always something new going on.
0: Oh. <laughs> You know, one of, one of my favorite posts of yours is you showed some, and, and you mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, you've shown some unique places in your neck of the woods that are very similar to experiences that you would have to travel or leave the country. Can you share with the listeners some of those unique, unique places that you found in North Carolina?
1: Yeah. So one of them I mentioned earlier was Big Bradley Falls, and that is the waterfall that's pretty skinny, but it has the beautiful um, jewel-like looking rocks behind it. And I would say the whole trail just kind of reminds me of Central or South America because it's such lush tropical environment. So that's one of them that I really love. Another one is actually, it was a hike I did recently in the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, and it's the Deep Creek Waterfall Loop. And there is obviously a deep creek running through the trail, and the water is so clear. And like bluish green. It reminds me of a cenote in uh, Tulum, Mexico. And it's just, again, you can go swimming in it in the summer times. And so that's another place that reminds me of somewhere slightly more tropical. The other one that I loved was I took a picture one summer. It was the wildflowers were blooming. And so it was a field of wildflowers. And in the background are these high, jagged mountain peaks. And revisiting that picture, it made me think of the Swiss Alps. I've never been there, and I'm sure they are much more magnificent in person as everything is in a picture. But this is just like a a tiny hint, like a poor man's (laughs) Swiss Alps, if you will. Uh, If you can't make it all the way to Switzerland, it's just still so stunningly beautiful. I love that about this area as well, since it does have such a diverse ecosystem you can be in, you know, a North American forest one minute and then you walk to another part and you feel like you're in Central America. And so that's another aspect I really love about living in this area.
0: Yeah, the diversity is, is just incredible. On your hikes, Megan, I feel like a lot of hikers, day hikers and backpackers, they might have a, a summit ritual or an end of the hike routine. Maybe it's having your favorite snack or meal, maybe some trail beverage or even a moment of zen. Do you have a regular custom that you like to do when you reach your destination or maybe when you make it back out to your car?
1: A little bit, and it was never planned. I will say, and this is getting a little deep, but I'll keep it somewhat surface level. But uh, the reason why I moved here in 2019 was my husband at the time was diagnosed with stomach cancer. And I needed to find, I was a real estate agent prior, and I needed to find basically a more steady job nine to five so I could take care of the children on the weekends and at nights. And so I found the job in Western North Carolina, and that's why we moved here. And during that period of our lives was pro, well, not probably, it was without a doubt the hardest, most stressful, most anguishing. 13 months of my life. Unless you've been through it or something similar, it's you can't really adequately express the feelings and emotions that you're going through during that time. But that is why I started hiking was I found such solace and peace in such a chaotic world. And obviously, my brain was going a thousand miles a minute all day, every day and trying to comprehend what was happening in my life while my children were at the time three and six years old. So really young and my life was falling apart and I found solace in hiking at the time. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this area. And I would say still to this day, that is something that I've kept with me almost three years later, three years after his death was I really take solace in my solitude hiking. I tend to go by myself because It's really where I go to replenish my soul and break away from the busyness of every day. Um, Obviously, having a job and being a single mother now, you need some sort of respite. You know, you might go crazy otherwise. (laughs) So what I do is I go hiking and that is where I nourish my soul and kind of get back to myself. And so I think if anything, my tradition is to go by myself and I just really... I don't listen to music. I don't distract myself with outside stimulus. I really just kind of look internally and try to find the peace and solitude. And if I do a summit or if I come to a waterfall, that is when I'm most still. And I really just sit there. I get off my phone. I just try to turn off my brain for all my tasks on my to-do list. And I just soak in the moment. So I think if anything, I I definitely have taken that with me and I don't think it's going to end anytime soon.
0: I appreciate it, Megan. You being candid and sharing that experience. And I think hiking for a lot of people, it is their, their respite, just being out in the outdoors and disconnecting from your phone. And, and just if you have a, a tough period of time, you know, it's a, it's a great place to kind of, like you said, recharge and, and refuel.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I have found being so open with my story because, you know, you can't predict what's going to happen in your life, of course. I have been open about it and it has allowed other people to really share their stories of grief and hardship. And if anything good has come out of it, it's just you really have a better understanding of what people might be going through. You can be a bit more compassionate towards others, you know, when you're stressed out about something, you know, you don't sweat the small stuff as much. So it's been a great thing joining the hiking community and everyone's there just to, you know, protect the environment and get out there for physical fitness or for mental health, you know, whatever it may be. So it's it's been a good thing becoming part of that community.
0: This community has been, you know, through this process has been really um great with supporting one another and it's one of the few communities that I found online that doesn't have the negativity or the drama that you know comes with some of the other communities that grow in popularity. Um, so it's been really great.
1: Yeah. It's a great vibe of the whole anyone in the community. It's just, you know, help people, helping others, lifting them up instead of, you know, shooting them down. So I cannot say enough great things about it.
0: When it comes to pack list, I feel like everyone is a little different based on their their geographical area. When it comes to, to your pack list, when when you're getting ready to go on a hike, what would you consider maybe your your most valuable piece of hiking gear that, that you bring on on a hike?
1: So I will say that a lesson that I have learned a little bit later in my hiking journey is I rely heavily on all trails to find the trails and get feedback from previous hikers. So I'm always scouring all trails, but the one thing that I had not done until recently was actually pay for the app to download the trail maps. So when you're offline, you can still have access to where you're supposed to be going because I've always been the type of hiker and really general person in life where I just kind of wing it and I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. Like. I'm just gonna go i'm gonna hike this short one and a half mile trail and then get back to my car and more often than not, I find myself like three hours later, I think I've hiked about five or six miles. I'm like, I don't think I'm on the right trail anymore. (laughs) I have found myself kind of in dicey situations where I'm like, I really need to find my way back. And luckily, you know, you can normally just backpedal and you're, you're back to where you started. But the one thing I have done recently is download the more advanced all trails so I can get a better understanding of where the trail is supposed to go. And no, you're not supposed to take a left there, Megan, you know. So that I think has been a very valuable asset to my hiking gear. Other than that, I'm a pretty laid back hiker in that I just wear tennis shoes. I wear workout clothes, just athletic wear. When I have my children, I of course bring my backpack with snacks and water um, because you can't even go to like the grocery store without snacks and water if you have children. The all trails thing has been valuable. And I will say just from experience, if you are hiking with young children, you might want to bring a change of clothes for them.
0: Good tip. Even for yourself, you should take an extra pair of clothes if you're thinking about jumping in. Yeah. <laughs>
1: That is accurate. And I don't know about the rest of the country, but here um, on the lower elevations, it can be say 55 degrees. And then if you go up to the higher elevations, it can actually be up to 20 degrees colder with wind. And so that's where a lot of people go wrong here is they don't pack enough layers because they're like, oh, it's mild here in Asheville or it's mild in Boone. But then they go up to Chimney Rock or Grandfather Rock and realize it is cold and windy and they are miserable. (laughs) So that's another... Another good tip for around here is just to pack those extra layers because you never know.
0: Okay, good tips. And you kind of mentioned it on the on the AllTrails app. Have you had any unexpected close calls while hiking, whether it's a wildlife encounter, maybe getting lost or turn around, or maybe Mother Nature caught you by surprise? Have you had any of those experiences?
1: I have had. I would say the most memorable one, though, is right before COVID shut down the entire country, my son was um, about to turn seven years old, and I said, okay, we." I've never been out west, so I had never spent any time in the desert. And so we flew into las vegas and we rented a car and did the grand canyon and zion and and um, bryce And so the one thing that I was completely unprepared for was we were doing a slot canyon hike. So I didn't realize when we saw, I think it's pronounced Cairn, like the rocks being stacked on top of each other. So here in the East, the Southeast, people just do that for fun, right? So you shouldn't, like you shouldn't mess with Mother Nature, but people do it. They stack rocks and you're like, oh, that's a cute little decoration and you just keep going. And also the difference I believe, is here on these hikes, there will be felled trees or sometimes like brush that you have to walk through or walk over to continue the hike. And so I didn't think anything of it when we were on this slot canyon hike in the desert. And there was a huge tree trunk over the trail and a cairn Karen like right down from it. And so me me being used to these hikes, I just walk over the tree trunk. I'm like, no, the trail keeps going. Well we go this way. And I have my seven year old son with me. And Once I, we walked maybe 20, 30 minutes. And once I hit a chain link fence in the middle of the desert, I was like, I don't think this is right. (laughs) And that was slightly concerning to me because I was in a brand new territory. I had never hiked in the, in the desert before. And I saw no slot canyons anywhere in sight, no people anywhere in sight. And the sun was like getting low in the sky in the afternoon. So that was the only kind of time of like a little bit of panic, a little bit of anxiousness of like, Okay, well, I, being the adult, need to figure out how to get back to our car before it gets nighttime. So luckily, we followed like other random footprints in the sand, I guess, fellow hikers that had gotten lost before us, and um, found our way back to the original trail. And we never found the slot canyons that day because it was getting dark, so we went back to the car. But that really made an impression on me, like, oh, yeah, do your research before you hike in other parts of the country because things might be different because it never occurred to me because here we have an enormous amount of trees and each of our trails are marked with like different shapes and colors so you know which trail you're on and you just follow those markers and you'll come across them every every few hundred feet and out there obviously there are not the same post for the markers and so you really have to rely on the cairns so that was the only time and i was so disappointed that we didn't see the slots that the next day we drove four hours to that same trail and i was like i am determined to find those slot canyons. so the next day we were able to find them and it was a grand old time and we had a blast oh, but that's nice. my most memorable experience that i would not want to repeat <laughs>
0: Yeah. And there's there's been a big push online I've seen, especially over the last couple of years, is for folks not to build cairns, because in some places, like you said, it could be a decorative thing. But in other places, it might be the way that people are trying to show you the trail or a safer detour.
1: Exactly.
0: So that's a really good, good um, story to share to kind of highlight that importance to, you know, while it it seems harmless, it it could potentially lead people astray, whether they believe it's, you know, the detour or maybe they don't know the significance of it. That's a really great story.
1: Exactly. And actually, that's been a big push in this area as well is not only do you not litter or, you know, leave your trash behind, but you leave the rocks where you found them because, you know, we have so... So much wildlife um, that you wouldn't think about, like the fish or salamanders or whatnot. And when you're disrupting the rocks from a river, you might be taking away a little animal's home. So that's been a big push recently to literally leave no trace that you were there.
0: It's important to follow the leave no trace behind ethics. Yeah. Now, Megan, do you have any upcoming goals for hiking goals um, for the 2023 year?
1: Hiking goals is just to keep getting out there and doing what I love. So no set goals on that. However, touching again a little bit on what I experienced was, um, I stated I was a real estate agent before and I liked my job, but it wasn't like a true passion of mine. And so since COVID, And since the loss of my husband, I was really kind of digging deep to decide what I wanted my future to look like. And I have decided that I wanted to open up my own kind of hiking company and and trail guide company. And so I have been working on putting together a website and getting the trails together that are my absolute most favorite trails. Because since there are thousands of trails in the area, it can be quite overwhelming for visitors visitors to know which ones to go to to accomplish their needs or wants. And so that has been my biggest goal for 2023 is to get my company up and going. And so I'm really excited about that and I'm working tirelessly on it. And it's, it's really been a passion project of mine. So I'm excited to get that going and see where that takes me.
0: Love it. And do you have a, a tentative launch month for your website?
1: Date I'm hoping is going to be about the first week of April. April because in the last week of March and first week of April I'm going to a small island in Japan and volunteering to do ecotourism and kind of conservation effort with them and so my goal is to come back after that trip and really launch my company and that is my that's my expected and hopeful date I got an email last night saying that the permit process to be able to guide people in the national parks is backed up for months, so it's a little dicey on when that will come through. Um, that I guess that will ultimately be my launch date when that comes through. But my goal is in April.
0: We'll be sure to to add it to the episode notes as, as soon as it's up and running.
1: Okay, thanks.
0: Well, thank you, Megan, for for um, answering those questions this next section of the podcast is that this or that questions they're two hiking related terms and you kind of just not um speed round but just choose the one that you tend to gravitate towards all set yes so the first one is ascending or descending
1: I would say ascending because you're out in nature and you get a little bit of workout. But obviously, I prefer. okay, yeah. Ascending.
0: And how about waterfalls or summits?
1: That's a tough one. I think probably waterfalls. I don't have a reason. I just love both.
0: Yeah, that's a tough one, especially with, with you having both. Yeah. So abundant. How about switchbacks or straight up?
1: Probably switchbacks. I like a workout, but I don't want to kill myself.
0: Trek poles or freehand?
1: I've always been freehand. I, Like I said, I, I'm a minimalist.
0: Do you fuel up before a hike or fill up after?
1: I definitely fuel up before a hike. I never want to be focusing on how hungry I am during my hikes. <laughs>
0: I like that. And how about, do you bushwhack or go around?
1: I always go around and only because we have a ton of poison ivy in this area. So you don't want to take that risk. You will regret it.
0: And do you jump in or do you stay dry?
1: Honestly, I stay dry. I do want to be comfortable on my hiking experiences.
0: And how about sunsets or sunrises?
1: That's again, that's a tough one because we have beautiful of both. (laughs) But I think if I had to choose, I would choose sunrises. It kind of just sets the tone for the whole day.
0: Spring flowers or fall colors?
1: Fall colors every time.
0: And do you tag a hike or do you not tag a hike?
1: Oh, that's another hard one. I think I usually tag a hike because it's out there on all trails. You know, I'm not trying to disrupt, you know, sacred ground. I just want people who do go to be respectful of the area, no matter where you're from.
0: That was it for the this or that questions, Megan. Really appreciate you joining us today.
1: Yeah, it's been fun.
0: Yeah, I had a blast learning about your neck of the woods and definitely adding All the places that we spoke about onto my bucket list.
1: I know. I'm so passionate about this area. I'm like, y'all have to come here. It's so beautiful. (laughs) I'm that girl who goes hiking one time and then makes it her whole personality. (laughs) (laughs) Not really, but kind of. No.
0: No. Megan, for folks that are listening that haven't had a chance to follow you, what are some of the places they can follow you on social media or online?
1: Okay, so my first is Instagram, and that is probably where I'm the most active. And my handle is Smoky Mountain Soul, and there is a period between Smoky and Mountain. So smoky.mountain.soul. If you are on TikTok, I have the same handle on TikTok, although I am a millennial, so I'm still trying to grasp that that platform. And finally, when my website becomes live and I start doing hiking tours, the name of my company is Smoky Mountain Soul Adventures. And if you want to go directly to the website, it's smokymountainsoul.com. All one word, no dots on that one.
0: We'll be sure to add those to the episode notes, too. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for joining me today on, on the podcast. It's been a, a real delight to, to speak with you and learn what it's like hiking in your neck of the woods.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been it's been fun chatting with you.
0: Thank you once again to Megan for joining us on this episode of the Hikes and Mikes podcast. Be sure to follow her on Instagram and TikTok at Smoky Mountain Soul to keep up with their latest hiking adventures. Be sure to also bookmark her website, SmokyMountainSoul.com, to help plan your next visit to North Carolina. We'll be putting out new episodes every week throughout the spring. Please be sure to like and subscribe to not miss out on those. Also, follow us on Instagram at HikesAndMikes. Catch you on the next one. This episode's music was created by Ketza. Follow him on Instagram at KetzaMusic. This episode is brought to you by Flip Socks. Whether you're on the trail, on the job, or in the yard, Flip Socks will keep Mother Nature out of your boots with their innovative nylon sleeve. You no longer need to worry about any annoying debris getting trapped in your boots during your hikes. Simply flip down the nylon sleeve over any boot to prevent Mother Nature from finding its way inside, keeping your feet comfortable all day long. To get your first pair, visit flipsockswithaz.com and enter promo code hikesmikes 10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for listeners who use the promo code at checkout, I'll be donating 100% of the season two promo code proceeds to big city mountaineers who provide transformative experiences through connections to nature that strengthen life skills and build community for youth and disinvested communities across the nation. So if you're tired of bits and pieces of the trail finding its way into your hiking boots, pick up a pair of flip socks today with the promo code HIKESMIKES10 to get 10% off. For website and promo code See the episode description.